Hello, hello, and welcome back to Enjoy the Journey podcast. I am here today with one of my favorite guests that I ever, ever interviewed with my other podcast, the Migraine Mother podcast, for those of you that were familiar with that one that was up and running. Um, This is Beauty and the Migraine Beast is our handle and blog from Instagram, but uh, Pamela, how are you doing today? So good. Thank you for having me. I love getting to talk to you. It's been a long time. I know. It's been, it's, I was thinking about that. It's been about a year. It's been about a year. Isn't it? Like, it's wild. And like 2020 and the whole way everything has gone. It's, it seems like it could, time just like flew by because nothing happened. And then so much happened at the same time that it could have been 10 years or not even a full year, <laughs> if yeah, that makes totally sense. Agree. It was like a time, it was a weird time warp for sure. <laughs> I feel like we're still in it because I'm still doing the same stuff. Right, right. Anyway, so one of my favorite things about Pamela is, is she has chronic migraine the same way I do, and I have yet to make a full episode on migraine and talking to you guys about that and remaining positive with a chronic illness and all that. However, Pamela is a few steps ahead of me in life and and is able to have a family and manage a family and um, honestly is kind of like living what I'm hoping to be my future if I'm still having chronic migraine. So we're here today to learn a little bit about her journey, if that's cool with you, Pamela. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so um, like I was asking you before we hopped on and started recording, um, you manage your family. I mean, you're a full-time mom of two boys and you're pregnant with your third. And yeah. I'm sure that gets so exhausting sometimes, especially when you're dealing with a migraine and or you know the post headache I call it the migraine hangover and <laughs> I don't know if that's the appropriate term because it they're is appropriate it's totally appropriate <laughs> okay because yeah there have been times where I like I am hung over and people will be like you don't drink what are you talking about anyway but it's a hangover with zero fun beforehand it's like you're miserable beforehand you're miserable after so right right but um I just wanted to ask you for, like, other moms who might just struggle, you know, keeping up or or feeling like they have any worth in their lives or just feel that knockdown. Um, How are some ways that you remain positive and optimistic when you get burned out? Well, when I got married, I had episodic migraine. So that means that you have them sporadically. It's not a, it's not like every single day or anything like that. And with chronic migraine, as you know, you have to have 15 or more attack days a month. And when I got married, I was episodic and I felt like I was managing it better. And then we got pregnant with our first son. And it was after I had him that I became chronic. And then we also have dealt with infertility and stuff. I know you wanted to touch on that later, but... We dealt with all of that, and then we had our second son, and then I became even worse. I was still chronic, but I went even farther downhill, and now with this baby, by the time that I got pregnant this time around, I was having a constant attack, basically, just one ongoing all the time, and I think that's something that's confusing for people who don't really understand our illness is that it is a neurological disease, 
And even if you're not having an attack or even if you're having a low pain day, you're still living with it. So my pain just kind of goes up and down all the time on a roller coaster. And even right now being pregnant, I don't really have pain free days like I did with my previous pregnancies. I was hoping that I would get to kind of have no pain days, but I'm, I've been having a lot of low pain days, which is helpful. But I know that it's so hard when you're feeling terrible all the time and you have other people depending on you. And when you're a mom, you don't get to just clock out and say, I can't do this. You have these little tiny humans to take care of and you have to kind of adjust. And motherhood for me does not look the way that I always imagined it would because in my dream world, before I got married and before I was as sick as I am, I had all these big Pinterest kind of aspirations, you know, and I very quickly realized that that was not going to be my reality. And it was really disappointing because that's not what I wanted for my life. But at the same time, my husband and I have always said that we will not let this illness dictate the dreams that we have. And my greatest dream has always been to be a wife and a mom. And I have had to adjust. And that means that I have to have let a lot of things go. Like if I don't get X, Y, and Z done, the world's not gonna end. My kids are happy, they're fed, they're loved. We snuggle, I read the books. They're getting their cup filled in different ways. It's not all of these things that I imagined in the beginning, but it's an adjustment and you can still have a really good, fulfilling, happy life. And you learn to enjoy more simple things and appreciate more simple things. And I think that that's really valuable to teach your kids too. It's not always about, you know, a big trip or a vacation or going out of the house and constantly doing stuff all the time, which obviously we can't really do that right now anyways, but it's just showing them that you can be happy with a more simple way of life. And the other things are just bonus. Right. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. And that's, I love that you're, Give yourself the grace to say, it's okay if I don't get X, Y, and Z done. I think that not just people who might struggle with an illness or, or something that uh, plagues them, but like just being a mom in general or having that like ongoing to-do list of, of keeping up with little kids, it seems like it's it's never ending and sometimes you... You have to say, okay, I've done all I can do today, <laughs> and and they dumped out their toys again. It's okay if if and this I didn't doesn't get, get there done. overnight. It's not like I had like a magic wand and I was like, oh, this is like my new magic way of thinking. It took work to get there and to give myself that grace. And it's like, yes, would I like my house to look perfect all the time? Of course I would. But what's more important, me getting the rest that I need and taking care of the kids, or you know, killing myself and cleaning up, you know, the bucket of toys or the kitchen or something that can wait. That's not the end of the world. So I give myself grace in that. Like, if you, if you come to my house, you usually know how I'm feeling by the way my house looks. <laughs> like, if I'm feeling pretty decent, my house looks pretty decent. If I don't feel very well, my house is like a tornado. Oh, see, and like, I, I, I understand that. But at the same time, see, I'm the middle of five kids. And so growing up, I, and I have yet to have my own kids and my own family and all that. But um, 
my mom finally just got to the point growing up where it's like a home is for free expression not good impression because it just seemed like we all had we could all pitch in to get our chores done but still with everybody running you know 10 different places between soccer practice and and choir practice and the symphony and band and you know all the different hobbies and everything everybody had to have done it just like seemed like one uniform would get thrown on while we were running out the door putting on different clothes and it just like it it some days it just was very lived in and we just had to accept it and be like okay well we've been doing a lot but and we still did all our dishes and everything but that doesn't mean that it looked like we kept up home to be a home you don't want it to be like this sterile place where your kids feel like they can't get messy or they can't have any kind of expression like you said if they want to dump out a bucket of toys and spread them all over and play i don't care that's what they want to do they're learning and playing and having fun it's not the end of the world we can pick it up whenever they're done with it and sometimes they're not done with it for two days or three days and i'm just like okay that's fine yeah yeah and like 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 i said my parents just were they got to the point where they learned to be like okay well this is just how having a big family is and we would much rather our kids be super busy and kind of almost a hectic life rather than having them going and getting in trouble and, you know, in our teenage, in our teenage years, breaking the law or doing, you know, something absolutely just like not okay. So they were, they were very like, okay with us having a sporadic kind of hectic life, but it kept us busy and happy. Um but, uh, like you were saying, uh, with your infertility, um, that is something that I think more women struggle with than what we realize. I don't know the, I don't know the percentages on it. Um, and I, I don't know, honestly, I feel like some people almost feel, uh, embarrassed. Like I was reading on, on, I want to say it was a blog post some little tidbit I was reading and and it was uh, a blog post or somebody's talking about themselves saying like they felt broken as a woman that their body was not able to do what it was like built and meant to do and so I just wanted I felt that for sure and so I just wanted to like ask you advice that you would have having walked there and having been there for women that do struggle with that and feel broken and inadequate sure so we had my son without my first son without much of an issue we tried to get pregnant for probably 10 months and when you're in that phase of trying that feels like forever but looking back that's not very long at all knowing what I've walked through now um but I didn't really get diagnosed with fertility issues until we were trying to grow our family after him And that's when I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which basically means that I don't ovulate like I'm supposed to. And then we struggled for a long time. And this is when my husband was in the Navy and we were going to fertility clinic in California. And I was doing a lot of it by myself because he was gone all the time. So I had this one year old, one and a half year old and going to all these appointments and stuff with me. And it was not easy. And we tried a lot of different things in California. We tried um, intrauterine insemination. 
where basically they just take the sperm and they use catheter and insert it into your uterus. So it gets it closer to the egg and you're taking other medications and stuff to make sure that you're ready. And you've done, I gave myself trigger shots. There's like, there's just so many different levels that you can do. Um, and then we got pregnant right before we were leaving California and it was just like so exciting because that was like our last chance because I was moving back to Michigan um, while my husband was being deployed to Japan for like six months. So it was our last chance to get pregnant with this fertility clinic. And we were just so happy. And we got to Michigan. We told our family because we knew that I was going to need support. And I am high risk, especially the first trimester. And that the day that we told our family at like our family cookout, I started bleeding that night. Oh, and we, we had to go, I didn't have a doctor or anything in Michigan yet because we just gotten there. So, um, the ending of that story is basically I, I lost the baby and we found out it was confirmed at the airport. So my doctor called me at the airport and he got on a plane and he left for six months. So I basically felt like. I lost my husband and my baby the same day and I had severe postpartum depression after that because I mean, it was just a really hard season and it's really hard to have postpartum depression where your body is going through all of that and you don't have a baby in your arms. You know, I know postpartum depression is hard. I had postpartum anxiety after I had our second son and it was hard, but at least I had the baby in my arms, you know? Right. So then he came back and we had a really hard time when he came back because again, I felt like I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. And it was, you know, we had to reconnect with each other and we didn't really get the chance to go through it together because he was gone. So we kind of had to go through that grieving process fresh from six months behind because we were finally together. Um, and then we decided to start trying for a baby in New York where we had moved because we were all over, you know, he was in the military. So we found a fertility clinic there and I hated it. I hated that clinic. My doctor in California was like an angel. And when you find a really good doctor, it's really hard to leave them. So when we found this new place in California, they, they just, it just was not the right place. You could just tell. Um, the doctor was very rude. He acted like I didn't know anything about my own body. He was trying to push us to do things that we weren't comfortable doing at that point. And I left in tears with my husband because he was able to come with me for one of the appointments. And he said to me, we are not going back there. We're done with that place. And I was feeling really anxious because I was worried about the nurse calling me because she was going to call me the next day because they had done blood work and an ultrasound because they were going to tell me like what medications they were going to order and like all the things that they were trying to get us to do. And I just felt really anxious about them calling me. And I didn't want to have to call and say that I want to cancel. I'm not coming back. Because um, that kind of situation just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so the next day, the nurse called me. And I answered the phone thinking, okay, here we go. I'm going to have to have this conversation that I don't want to have. And the first thing she said was, we're not ordering you any medications. And I was like, what? 
she goes, according to your blood work and everything, you're ovulating. Try. Good luck and call us, you know, and we'll see what happens. And I was like, this doesn't happen. Like, my doctor in California told me I shouldn't have been able to have my first son on my own because that's how, like, messed up I am with stuff. Like, this doesn't happen. I literally hung up the phone. Lauren, I'm not kidding you. I heard God speak to me in a way that I've never heard him in my life. And he said, I am in control of this. Nobody else. Not the doctors, not anybody else. I'm in control. Don't worry. And I knew I was pregnant two weeks later before I even took the test because God gave me that peace. Like I, there's no other way to explain it. It was an absolute miracle. And that's how we have Luke, our second baby. And it was just so emotional because all these people are telling me that I should not be able to have kids on my own. And I have all these issues. So then, so then after we had Luke, cause we didn't know how many kids we wanted. I mean, we always talked about a couple or three or, you know, but after we had Luke, we were like, we want as many kids as we can have. This is so amazing. And I still had fertility issues. I still couldn't get pregnant. Um, so we went to my regular OBGYN and told them we were ready to start trying again. And they put me on some medications and stuff because I didn't really want to go back to a fertility clinic. I just didn't feel like that was right for us at the time. Um, so they put me on some other medications and things and we did end up getting pregnant and I miscarried again. And that day I was standing at the bus stop waiting to get Nathan off the bus. And I just wasn't feeling well. And thankfully my husband was home at the time and I, I felt it like I felt it happen. And I said, I need you to come out here and get him. And I went and I, I was miscarrying and I called the doctor's office and I went in the next day and they did an ultrasound and confirmed that I had lost the baby. And it was just so overwhelming because here we have these two miracle babies, but every time I try to go get help, every time we try to do it, on our own or in our own way, it doesn't work. And it was very, very hard. And we went to a different fertility clinic because we had already been scheduled to go see a new place. <laughs> I mean, this is a long story, but this is this is the reality of it. It's not a, it's not an easy, short journey for any of this. So we went to a new clinic. We tried there for oh, a long time, over a year. And we were about to leave to move back to Michigan because I had been getting worse with chronic migraine and he was getting out of the Navy. And we decided that it would be best to move our family back to be close to family to have help. Um, so we were leaving anyways, and we were leaving that clinic and that doctor basically said, I don't know why you're not getting pregnant. She showed me all the numbers and the stats and all, all the paperwork. And she's like, this should have been twins. This should have been twins. This should have worked. That should have worked. I just don't know why it's not working. And she had no good answer. And she's supposed to be like the top doctor in the area. And then she said, we should just try to do IVF. And we were like, we, we're not comfortable doing that right now. First of all, it's so much money. And right. we, we were moving. Like we weren't, we weren't going to start that whole process when we were literally going to move in a few months. So 
we made the really difficult decision to just stop everything. It didn't mean that we stopped trying to get pregnant on our own. We just stopped going to the clinic and everything like that. And then we moved back to Michigan and got settled and everything. And um, that was, we bought our house a year ago, February in Michigan. So we've been here for a while. And congrats. Um, we decided that we were ready to go to another clinic because we still weren't getting pregnant on our own. And we went to a clinic here and it was during COVID and there's a lot of things that you can't do. You know, you can't have your partner come with you. And the first meeting I had with the doctor was a zoom call, which is really different. It was nice because I could see his face. I didn't have to wear a mask, but he was so great. I just felt so comfortable with him. Um, and you could tell he was really smart and I gave him all my history, my background and all that. And he said to me, you don't just have polycystic ovarian syndrome. He said, because if, if, if ovulation was the only thing that was the problem, you would have gotten pregnant multiple, multiple times successfully and had babies with all the, all the medications and the interventions that they were doing for you. He said, you have probably been pregnant more times than we even know. And you've probably lost the baby, but it was so early that it's not like a detectable thing because you've been all, cause I've been on so many medications and trigger shots and we've been trying. He said, so I honestly believe that you've probably been pregnant and had more miscarriages than we will ever know, which was really hard to hear and really hard to take in because those are my babies, you know, and I want, yeah. I want an answer. I want to know the number, but I'll never know until I go home. You know, I'm just not going to know. So he said, I think that you also on top of your PCOS, you have bad eggs because you don't get pregnant <laughs> with all this other stuff going on. So he said, I honestly think that you could keep going the way that you've been going and doing all the treatments and everything. And you could never get pregnant again especially because I'm getting older. I'm not old. I'm like, I'm going to be 33 this year, but as you get older, right. Your eggs get worse. And if you already are dealing with eggs that aren't the healthiest, then that's a problem. So he said, I honestly think that the next best thing, if you guys really want to have more kids is to do IVF. And I just felt like, okay, this is it. Like he at least knows what's going on. He at least gave us answers that we never heard before, you know, he like figured out my body basically, which we've never had all those puzzle pieces. So we decided that we were going to do it. And I felt very passionately about it. Like, this is what we're going to do. This is what I feel like we're called to do. Like, I just felt like it was the right thing. And my husband was more hesitant and it's so much money. It's just so much money. And we thought that we were going to get part of our medication covered because he's a veteran and the way that I had like researched it and all that, it seemed like it would be covered. So I had everything set up to go. I was going, I, I had a 
sonogram done where they put like saline in your uterus and they like clean everything out. And then he wanted me to have a hysteroscopy, which is like a surgery where they kind of go in and scrape everything out and make sure there's no polyps or anything that would prevent an embryo from attaching. And they just want you to be like as healthy and as ready as you can be. So I had set up that I had set up that surgery. I had set up all the appointments and everything. And I went to order the medication and they said that it wasn't covered because he's not a wounded combat veteran. And I was like, what? Because all the things that I read said that if you were in the military, it didn't say anything about like you had to be wounded in combat. And I just was shocked. So I, told my husband that because that added on like $7,000 to the cost of what we were already anticipating paying. Right. And he was just like, we can't do this right now. This is our first year in our new house. Like our furnace is going to explode or something's going to happen. And I don't want to put all of our money literally into this and not have like a backup plan, you know? Right. And I just felt so overwhelmed because I'm like, literally my surgery was like a couple days away. And I'm like, you need to tell me right now if we're going to do this or not. And he said, I think we should not do it. I feel really strongly. I don't know why. He's like, I just feel like we shouldn't do it right now. And usually I'm the one that gets the signs and the whispers from God and all of that. So for him to be telling me no, especially on something that I felt so strongly about, meant that he really felt strongly about it too. So he said, let's hit the brakes. We'll stop. We're not going to do it. We'll start again in like January of 2021 because then, you know, we can start the process over because it's a long process. It's not like it just happens overnight. Um, Right. So I very reluctantly said, okay, because it was hard when you're right there and you're ready to start everything and you can see it and you have all these things scheduled. It was really hard to stop everything. Um, so then we stopped and I was really upset and I was really sad and I felt really upset with myself. I can't change any of it. I can't control my body. I can't force myself to get pregnant. Like, and he doesn't have any male factor infertility. So I feel a lot of responsibility, you know, that the one thing I've always wanted was to have babies and grow a family and I can't do it the way that I want to do it. And I feel like it's just so unfair. And I know a lot of other people in the same boat that feel the same way. It's very frustrating, especially when it's the thing that you want the most. Right. And yes, I have these two beautiful miracle babies, but I still knew that my family wasn't complete yet. And I think that's something that's really hard for people going through secondary infertility to deal with. Because a lot of people will say, well, at least you have this, at least you've got this or that, but that doesn't change the pain that you feel going through the process. Just because you have, you know, what other people wish they had doesn't mean that you're not allowed to dream. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to want more for your family. And secondary infertility is something that um, I think a lot of people feel kind of ashamed to talk about because you feel like you should just be thankful for what you have and move on. And people have even said that to me, like maybe you just shouldn't have more kids. And that's really hard to hear when you know in your heart 
what you want for your family and what you feel called to do. So I was just struggling, really. I was really struggling. And I remember I posted a, a picture on Instagram talking about how I was just having a lot of really negative self-talk, like towards myself. And I said, if my friend talked to themselves the way that I have been talking to myself, I would be like, no, you can't, you can't think like that. You're so wonderful. Like all the things that I would say to somebody else that I just can't say to myself. And I posted that. And sometimes I, I don't even know if it'll like, I post things and I hope it helps people. <laughs> I hope it helps them not feel alone, but I just felt so alone. I just felt like I had to say that for some reason. And two days later, I got pregnant on my own. Wow. So here I am feeling like my body is garbage, that it can't do anything right. I'm so, being so hard on myself and I'm feeling so upset and God embraces me once again and shows me that I'm not broken and that everything is within his timing, just like everything else has been this whole journey. And if we hadn't gotten pregnant, we still would have done IVF. I don't think that it wasn't, I don't think, I think it was still the right path for us if I hadn't have gotten pregnant, but I think that God was just showing me so much love and grace and showing me like, once again, he's in charge. And I thought, there's no way I'm pregnant because I felt terrible. I always feel terrible. My husband's like, take a test, take a test. Cause I was so tired. And I like couldn't keep my eyes open <laughs> during the day. And that's usually a sign for me that I'm pregnant, but I also wasn't feeling well. So it's confusing when you're living with a chronic illness at the same time, because you're like, am I pregnant or am I just sick? You know? Right. So I took the test and I was just shocked, absolutely shocked. You know, I just wasn't, wasn't expecting it. And this baby is just such an incredible miracle. And I'm just so grateful and moving forward. I don't know if we'll ever have more kids, but we're never going to go down the fertility route again. Okay. If it's supposed to happen, it's a hundred percent in God's hands and we're totally okay with that. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of comfort and a lot of freedom in letting that go because it's been such a big part of our life for such a long time. So if we have more kids, great if not great but I'm just so thankful for what we do have yeah it's a long sorry it's like such a long story but it's there's a lot to it no no and I know that that all those different elements that that play into that story I mean like I said I'm not somebody that has gone through this or understands it in in you know, I'm not to that stage of life where I'm like, I want to have kids either. Like, does that make sense? I don't (laughs) like, I'm not to that. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I'm just like, not to that stage of life where I'm like, I want to, I want to be a mom. And it's not hard for me that I'm not a mom, but I know that so many women more, more than we realize, like I said before, um, struggle with this. It's a real thing for them. And, and I think hearing that somebody else has had to have a very <laughs> hard, you know, you know, all the different elements that's gone in that you've had to have multiple doctors and and you've had more than one diagnosis now of of uh, wait uh the ovarian I don't know was it cystic polycystic ovarian syndrome uh-huh. short 
PCOS is the short version. And then, yeah, yeah, and then you had the diagnosis of bad eggs, and then, you know, your body is just struggling with (laughs) migraine from day to day, and, you know, all the different elements, I think, that people may feel like they're on their own, like they're the only ones struggling because they're having their own version of of having to switch doctors and getting diagnoses that they don't want to hear and missing puzzle pieces and so no don't apologize for it being a long story I think it's it's a part of your journey and another part of it is that because I am chronically ill because I have chronic migraine I have to forego a lot of treatments and a lot of things that I could possibly try because we've been trying to have kids basically for the 10 almost 10 years we've been married basically I have had to not take a lot of the medications or try the new things or, you know, I was doing Botox and then we couldn't do Botox because I couldn't keep up the 12 week schedule with all the fertility treatments. So I can't, I can't take care of myself the way that I should be able to because of all the complications that come along with my fertility issues, because I've had to basically put my own health in that arena on the back burner because our greatest dream is to have kids and some people think that that's just absolutely crazy and like why wouldn't you just take care of yourself you already have kids just be done with it but for us i refuse to let this illness dictate the dreams that i have for my life and if that means that i have to suffer to get to the place where we want to be and to complete our family i'm okay with that I don't want I don't want to give up on my greatest dreams just because my body is failing in a different completely different way. Once we're done having kids, once this baby comes, I can try all the things and I can get on lots of different medications and hopefully stuff will work and maybe it won't. I don't know because I don't know how my body will react, but I would never be able to forgive myself if I didn't try and just let chronic migraine run my life because that's not what I want. Right, right. And I love that, like, you're you're true to yourself in that way and saying, well, I I choose this for myself. Because you could, you could choose the medications. Mm-hmm. You could, yeah, but you're, you're choosing your life. You're letting yourself do what you want to do. And I think even though people might criticize and, <laughs> and say, you're crazy, you should, you know go take that medication you're you say this is what I want though and and that's totally fair for I know I I sometimes feel like a complete nutcase because I I will often wait till I know the long-term side effects of medications before I hop on them because I'm one of those patients that I'm like one of the first ones they call every time they're doing a new trial drug they're like yeah they're like you've you've been a you like nothing works we want you to be on this trial (laughs) and it's like I don't know the long-term side effects I'm sorry but like I've totally that's totally valid especially because for example with all the new injectables Right. When those first came out and they were like, you would be a great patient for this. You would, you know, this could probably really benefit you. And I said, how does it affect fertility? Because that's my number one concern. And I already have enough issues in that space. And they basically said, we don't know. And I said, well, then I'm not taking it. I'm not going to throw another wrench (laughs) 
in there and not know what's going to happen when I, there are certain, there's a lot I can't control. Right. But I can't control what I choose to put in my body and what I choose to take and the things that I've done. And for me, it's worth waiting until this phase of my life is complete before I start experimenting with medications. Like you said, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know how they're going to affect you or the side effects. So I totally understand that. Yeah. And I totally respect that decision because it's so personal for every single person. Like this disease is not the same for everybody. It's not cookie cutter. It's not one size fits all. And neither are the medications and the treatments. They try to say that, oh yeah, this works for so many people. That's great. But I'm usually the outlier where they tell me that something's going to work this way. And then they're shocked when my body doesn't do what they think it's going to do. So you have to be really careful about that kind of stuff. That or you get like the one or two side effects that are so irrelevant, like 0.2% gets it. (laughs) But they don't list that side effect because it's so irrelevant. And you're the one with kidney stones or whatever it is. And (laughs) it takes you forever to figure out because so oftentimes, like I have an amazing doctor who, who, really does read up and and knows every possible factor going into that but if I you know if I go to any other doctor that's that's not my primary physician and they're telling me to do something and if I don't check back in with him like nine times out of ten even if it's a vitamin or a natural supplement if it interferes with something I'm already taking and I don't know it like I always get, you know, just like kind of bitten in the <laughs> bitten in the butt because I just decided to hop on the bandwagon without even like considering what could be or what might be. And right, right. Anyway, but no, I really do appreciate you telling your your story though and and being so transparent in your struggles. I know that it's probably still very hard. And, and like, even though you are pregnant and whatnot, I can only imagine sometimes the weight that, that still must come and go. Um, do you do you have coping or suggestions of coping for, for, even though you might not be struggling with it, sometimes you're just thrown an oddball and all of a sudden you get overwhelmed with the fact that that did happen in the past or you know Um, I rely very strongly on my faith I am not who I am today without it for sure and I rely heavily on prayer and of course I still worry I will worry until the minute they put that baby in my arms and you still worry about them once they're running around but um, because my husband couldn't come with me to a lot of the appointments this time because of COVID, um, and in the first trimester, I'm very um, high risk. And between appointments, I would get so much anxiety. And I said to my husband, I want to buy a fetal Doppler so that you can listen to the baby's heart at home. It's like, it's not going to hurt the baby. It's just like a little thing, like an ultrasound gel you put on there, and then you listen to the baby's heartbeat. And I said, I just want to know that it's still there. It's still okay, even though I'm having no sign of any complication, no anything. I It's just you can't help but worry. 
So I got that and it was just like an immediate source of comfort. And it was fun because then my kids can hear it and they get all excited about it. And then my husband could hear it because he couldn't come to the appointments with me. So that was a nice thing to have, but I just rely so heavily on prayer and that this is God's plan. And that whether this baby is born healthy or whatever happens, or if I, God forbid, lose the baby, it's in the plan. And it's supposed to happen for a reason. There's a reason I have chronic illness. There's a reason why I feel called to be vulnerable and open about a lot of these things, because I hope that I can help other people. And I really truly believe that everything that I've gone through is for a reason and hopefully to show that God is so good to us and that our plans, <laughs> I mean, in my dream world, I was going to have three kids by the time I was 30. Well, <laughs> that didn't happen, not even close, but I know that the plan that he put forth for my life is better than any plan that I had in my own mind. And all the things that have happened, I just want to be a good example for other people and hopefully be a source for other people to not feel alone. And that's why I share a lot of the things that I share because there are things that are hard to share, like um, my miscarriages and stuff. And I shared about, especially about the one that happened when my husband left, I did a whole video on my YouTube and I talked about it. And, you know, sometimes it's really hard to talk about it and it makes me really emotional. And sometimes I can like keep it together better. It just depends on the day. Um, but I just feel like everything that I've gone through, I've learned so much and I've grown so much and I would not have the relationship I do with God today without all of those things happening. So even though a lot of the things that have happened have been terrible and hard, I'm still grateful because they helped me be who I am today. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love that you're not afraid to just say it's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. Um, I was thinking when you were saying that, that looking back, do you see moments kind of like when your husband was saying, let's stop. We're not going to do the IVF right now. I'm sorry. I love you, but I don't feel like it's right for us right now. It's going to break the bank and you were upset about it. Do you see looking back at it that that was, that was God's plan and you're just like 100%. sure of it? 100%. Because if he, if he hadn't have felt that, which I believe that God gave that to him, that feeling of we need to stop because usually if I tell him about a dream or like some kind of goal or something that I want to pursue, he's totally behind me. So supportive for the fertility stuff. You know, some things we've had to discuss and, you know, it's not always been smooth sailing, but he's always gotten behind it and he's always been very supportive. So for him to say, you know, the week of the surgery that I was supposed to have, we need to stop. I really feel like we need to stop. And he kind of, in a way, put his foot down in a way that he never has before. I 100% know that that was God pushing him to do that because it just, that's just not something that normally would happen. And I'm not saying that, like, 
I run all over my husband. It's like we are very much a team. We very much make decisions together. But he's so supportive um, of everything. And he really lets us chase dreams and move forward with things in a very trusting and open way that I think is really, really great. But that was one of the first times that he's ever been like, no, we have to stop. We can't do this right now. I don't know why. And he even said, like, I don't know why. I just feel that this is not the right thing for us to do right now. And when he said that, I knew that there was no more discussion about it because, and now looking back, that was very obviously from God. That was a very obvious sign. And I'm glad that he pushed it, you know, because he felt strongly about it. So I know that there were, there are so many moments where I wanted certain things or to do certain things. And the answer has been no, or the answer has been not yet, or the answer has been, it's not going to work this time. And it's been absolutely heartbreaking. It's not easy to walk through those moments and those situations and those emotions. But when you, when you look back on it and you see it all pulled together, you can have a, a better perspective. And then I think that once you've walked through enough life and you've had experiences, you move forward in a different way. Like from here out, it's not going to be the way that it was from here out. If we do have more children, I'm not pursuing it medically. It's going to be a hundred percent in God's hands because that's the way I know he wants it to be for my life. And it's taken up until this point and showing me over and over again, I'm in control. I'm in control. I'm in control that I'm like, okay, now I'm finally saying you're in control and I'm stepping back and I'm letting it happen the way that it should happen. And I'm not saying that IVF is wrong or fertility treatments are wrong. Obviously I don't think that because we have gone through so many of them and we're going to keep going through them if this hadn't happened. But I just feel like you just get a different perspective when certain things show up and open your eyes to the situations in your own life. And you have to make those decisions based on your own life. I'm not basing it on anybody else's, but my own. Right. Right. I know. I've looked so back at my own life and just, just with migraine alone, where there have been times where I've literally like, I'm 110% a Jesus girl. Like, I no shame in admitting it. Sometimes I feel like people are like, whoa, she's she's preaching. Like, <laughs> take a step back, Lord. But um, I, I have thrown myself on the floor and just, like, cried out in prayer and been like, Heavenly Father, this is not what I want. Like, shaking my fists up in the air and been like, come on. Like, let me have my life the way I want to have it. Let this, like, why, especially when it's a good thing and it's an honorable thing and it's something that we think would be good in God's eyes, like creating a family or or continuing an education or doing something that we think Heavenly Father would just be like all for it and we get the answer that's a no for not right now, or this isn't for you, or maybe try it this way instead. (laughs) And I just, like, I'm one of those people that's, like, a toddler at times where it's, like, just let me do it. Let me do it. (laughs) 
And so it's that stubborn human spirit he gave us and he'll just keep showing us that right way that he knows is best for us whether we know it or not right and then you look back and you're like all those tears I cried all those moments I spent stressing and being mad and frustrated like where I am now like you said is is so much better than what our plan would have been for us right like anyway um I wanted to ask you also, because um, you mentioned YouTube, and I watched part of your YouTube video this past week on relationships and keeping relationships, and um, this is like going completely back from from fertility and everything all the way back to migraine, but um, just with people who struggle in general, you know, keeping up in their life, not necessarily illness or anything else um what how would you advise people and remaining optimistic in in relationships that struggle and they feel like maybe it's because of something they can't control in their life um I think that I mean relationships are hard whether it's with your spouse or friends or your parents or any of those things relationships are complicated and I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you have to do what you think is best for yourself and I'm not saying like in a selfish way I'm saying like in the choices that you make like for example your medications or you know if you choose to take half the class load or if you choose to um, elope instead of having a big wedding, like all of these things come into play and you have to decide what's best for you in your personal situation. And like, as, as far as marriage goes, um, we are a team. Like I said, in, in the video, we, we trust each other. We rely on each other. And I think a lot of times people look at marriage now, like, don't get too, like, don't get too attached. Don't get too intertwined. You know, keep things separate to some level because you don't know what's going to happen and you kind of go into it, half into it. And for me, that's not an option. Like, I'm all in, obviously. I mean, we depend on each other so much and not in an unhealthy way. It's in a way that he's my best friend and he completes me and he, we help each other navigate through life. And when we weren't able to be together, like when he was deployed or when he wasn't around, it was really hard because we rely on each other in a way that we rely on God. You know, it's like our relationship needs all three of those things. It needs all three of those pieces. And when one of those pieces is missing or is off balance or is not in a line, we feel it. And I think that no one else I would have been with, no one else I would have dated, no one else I, they could not have handled this life. They could not have handled, I'm not saying like the military, like he was in the military, that was his own thing. But I'm saying like me personally, like with my chronic illnesses and my fertility issues and people say, well, you don't know if you'd have fertility issues. I do. I'm the one with the problem, not him. So looking back at all these things, 
And like, I know that none of those people could have done what he does because he loves me and cares for me. He's never made me feel guilty about all of these things about myself that I can't control. And I think a lot of times people who are chronically ill and are single feel like they're never going to find anybody because <laughs> yeah. they just feel, they just feel, you know, you feel like you're a burden. You feel like you're a lot. Yeah. And I was in a fight with, this? sorry, I was in a fight with somebody this like three weeks ago. And, and that was what they threw at me is you are a burden to everyone around you and no one will ever love you the way you want to be loved because you are a burden. And that like, that was the end of it for me. I just walked away. I was like, I don't need it. Your illness and the things that you go through are a lot, but you are not a lot. There's two separate things. And I think that... I think that people view chronic illness and the struggles that they have as like their whole identity. And it's a big part of who I am. Chronic migraine is as much a part of me as the color of my eyes. And I can't change that. Right. But that doesn't mean that I can't have dreams. That doesn't mean that I can't pursue things that I want to do. That doesn't mean that I can't raise a happy family. That doesn't mean that you have to give up all the things that you ever thought you would could possibly have in your life they might come around differently they might look differently they might function differently but that's not necessarily a bad thing right I think that I'm a better I think that I'm a better person because of everything that I've gone through I think that I'm a better mother and wife because of all the things that I have including the pain that I have to walk through because I know that if I'm giving them my time and I know that if I'm doing things for them, that I'm sacrificing for them. And it's not like, Oh, look at me. I'm like sacrificial lamb. I'm so wonderful. It's like, I love them and they're my purpose. And this is what I'm choosing to do with my life. Right. Right. Because this is what I want for my life. This is what I want for them. And I hope, that when they grow up one day, they don't look back and just remember me being sick all the time. I hope that they remember the fun that we had and the special things that we did and baking cookies and playing games and doing all the, the fun things that we do. And I also hope that they understand and have compassion for other people because it's a really unique opportunity for them to know that, number one, the world doesn't revolve around them. Number two... <laughs> There are other people in this world that are suffering and things are going on and you need to have compassion for other people because you don't know what somebody else is going through. Right. And I think that it's a unique opportunity to have an example of that in their own home. Yeah. I think that your boys are going to grow up and they might not recognize it right now, but as they grow up, I think that they will recognize the sacrifices that you've made for them as a mom. And the sacrifices that you, their dad, your husband, has made for them as their dad. And, like, that just comes with a little bit of age. And sometimes it takes a year or two for it to actually, like, set in. I look back at, like, even just a couple years ago, but things that I didn't recognize that my parents helped me with. 
and it, you know I'm just a young adult is <laughs> really where I'm at but I look at things that they've done for me in the past and I'm recognized like even though it might not have been what I wanted at the time it was their their sacrifice that they still put in so much effort and love into that and it's appreciated um differently especially as I've gone on with age and and taken on a, more responsibilities and whatnot but well and I think that they have such a good example in my husband because he's showing them what a man should be he's showing them how a man should take care of his family and his wife and have unconditional love because he is not like upset with me that I'm not feeling well he lets me rest he helps take care of me and like I said in my video, what I wrote before is that we are caregivers to each other. And that's something that's very important to me is the way that we view our relationship is that when we took our vows, I had said that I knew that I would be a caregiver to his mind, body, soul, as much as, you know, any illness or any kind of struggle that we might have. We are a caregiver to each other. And that's so important to me because I don't want that to ever get lost. And the way that we communicate with each other and the way that we prioritize our family, he loves our family more than anything. And we each didn't have great examples of a solid marriage growing up. Um, two totally different, unique situations, but we knew what we wanted for our marriage and what we didn't want for our marriage based off of those things. And we've worked really hard to build the home that we want and to foster our relationship because it's really important, especially when you have kids, they take up a lot of time and a lot of attention. And then you throw in a chronic illness on top of that. And it's like, okay, the, the spouse, especially the one who's the main caregiver can definitely feel lost and feel like, where am I in this situation? So it's really important to focus on each other because your marriage is the foundation. Your relationship is the foundation of your entire family. And if that is weak or if that crumbles or if that is not solid, then it causes so many problems. Right. Right. I, I love that you said that your husband is such a great example for your boys I just like it that really hit home because you you are a mama voice which is just awesome <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is just awesome but um I think that recognizing that your husband plays such a good role for them and that they're gonna grow up with that example in their lives which is just wonderful that they're if they can grow up and and exemplify that same love towards somebody else and and just have that impact them and influence them in the best ways to shape them into you know one day men I know right now they're little boys but like they're gonna be really 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 great men I think that our world just needs more people who care like genuinely care versus just being like well I want to be a man you know today especially they view boys and they view men in a very negative light and as a mother of boys raising boys that's very hurtful because 
it's like, oh, you're raising boys. Good luck. Like they're boys. They're going to grow up and they're going to be like these terrible men just because they're a man. And I think that that's just so negative and so terrible. It's like we work really hard every day to hopefully instill in them the qualities that my husband has and that he can show them how to be a good, strong, loving, faithful man. And just because you're a man doesn't mean that you're predestined to grow up and be this jerk. Like that's just not the way it is. And that's the way the world sees men these days. I don't want them to see my boys and just assume. Yeah. I can't even imagine being a mom right now of boys and saying, kind of feeling hopeless (laughs) in a way of having the pushback of, because they're a boy, you're predestined to fail? As it like, I don't know. I think that that's, I think that, yes, everybody has made mistakes, regardless of their gender. <laughs> regardless of their gender. And I think sometimes um, we can be, we can overstep and categorize every single person that fits into a category because because of something that that has happened in the past because of that category of people or that does that make sense like yeah yeah, like because you're American you you think this way and because right like that doesn't it doesn't make sense to me to be against all of somebody or, or an entire group of people just because there's a decent number in that group of people that have previously made mistakes. But at the same time, I think it's great to recognize that there have been many great men in history and, and women, but great men in history. And like that, <laughs> I think when they're young, especially kids have so much potential that your boys especially being raised with good influence they have the potential to grow up and hopefully make a huge impact on the world of just being that good person and trying to follow in their dad's footsteps of of taking care of the ones around them right and i can see i can see there's so many good qualities in them and it's not just because i'm their mom like they have plenty they have plenty of things that make you know, push my buttons too, but it's like, I can see how caring they can be and how sweet they can be and how their little minds work. You know, Nathan, my oldest, he just is so thoughtful about things and really takes his time and likes to organize things and just is just such a kind, gentle soul. And then Luke, he is wild and so smart and likes to figure everything out and wants to know how everything works and just has you know they come from us but they're so different they just they come to you so uniquely their own person and people people are like oh you think the new baby's gonna be like luke or like nathan i'm like i think this baby's gonna be like themselves (laughs) you know right I don't think they're gonna be like anybody but who they're supposed to be and i think that it's our job as parents to foster that person and to help them, you know, grow into their strengths and help them, you know, correct their weaknesses, hopefully, and guide them in a healthy way because each kid is so different, so different. I'm sure you see that with your siblings. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the my mom's main main heritage is Cherokee and Irish, and so my siblings, except for I have a sister who could be naturally blonde, considered naturally blonde, just because she's like a lighter brunette. But my siblings are um, all darker, and especially in the summers, tan really dark. And I'm this little, like, super fair-skinned redhead that sticks out like a thumb. Like, people, there, kid you not, there have been times where, like, if we have somebody going to take a picture of our family, they'll be like, hey, do you want to move out of their, of their family photo so you're not, like, photobombing them? And I'm like, no, I'm their daughter. I, I look like my dad a little bit. Like, you can kind of see it. <laughs> But it was just so funny because, like, I do stick out like a sore thumb, but we're all different. Um, but like you were saying with Nathan, uh, your oldest, that is very kind and thoughtful. I, maybe this is just me from what I've, like, heard of you talking and whatnot, but I'm sure that kind and thoughtfulness comes from, one, the example of his dad, but two, like, wanting to take care of you and, and seeing that, like, you're a sensitive human being, not just, like, sensitive with your health, but but that also that sensitivity of your health and everything has made you more sensitive to other people. And I'm sure that's kind of made him want to be kinder and more caring and, you know, the so. example it's in his life. He, as far as their personalities and, and like, um, like their emotions go, Nathan is like me where he's more sensitive. And if he's upset about something, he wants to talk it out. And he cries more easily, um, like emotionally. And Luke is like my husband, where if he's upset about something, he kind of gets a little bit angry about it and doesn't want to talk about his feelings. Like he wants to kind of shut it down. And um, a couple weeks ago, because my husband with COVID, like he's been working from home a lot. And then it kind of transitioned to where he was going back to work and he's, you know, back to work normal schedule now. So he's not home all the time. And when he does come home, it's only at night for a couple hours unless it's the weekend, whatever. So Luke, when it was bedtime, he was just having a really hard time. And if parents know bedtime can be just like a nightmare, it can either go really well or it can go really bad. And sometimes it's just hard. And he, every night, he would just struggle at bedtime. He would start crying and, like, trying to run away and, like, just the whole thing. And the one night, Jeremy was trying to tuck him in and Luke was crying. And he said, I just want you to be home all the time. And, like, this light bulb went off. Because Nathan, when he was little, my husband was in active duty, so he was gone a lot. And from the time that he was actually, like, 10 months old, he got diagnosed with severe separation anxiety. Like, oh, severe. Wow. It, was, it was really, really hard. He still has anxiety today, but it was something that we had to work on. But with Luke, like, Jeremy's always been around. So when he said, I just want you to be home, I'm like, oh, my God, light bulb. Thank you. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> that to, like, click it on for me to put the pieces together. And I'm like, he's missing you. And this is why he's acting like that. Because he only gets to see you for this teeny tiny amount of time. And he knows that when he goes to bed, he's going to wake up in the morning and you're going to be gone. Because he leaves before the kids wake up. So I, I just, like, as a mom, I'm like, I should have put that together <laughs> before that. But it just took, like, that moment. And so we've taken steps to make him feel more connected and have more time together. But like when we were trying to talk to him about it, he was trying to run away from us and he was trying to like 
not talk about his feelings. So, you know, same house, same parents, totally different ways to handle their emotions and like figure it out, which is hard. It's a challenge to figure those things out as you navigate parenting. And um, I'm glad that we did figure it out and things have been, things have definitely been better, but like what he needs is like a little bit of extra time with him at night and to snuggle in the rocking chair a little bit longer and to have that extra connection. And that's made a world of difference. So it's just like little examples like that where they're so unique and you have to parent them uniquely because they're not the same. Right. No matter what family situation is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that not just like in kids, but just every individual, like you were saying with the migraine, not every, not one, no two, there we go. No two migrainers are the same. You know, your story is different from mine. And yeah, we both might be in the chronic migraine boat, but you're a mom with kids and you're pregnant and I'm not. And we've like, you got your migraines on, like the initial onset of migraines happened at a different stage of life for me. And I think that that's so true where it's like, no two people are the same. And I think all too often we compare each other and put ourselves in categories like we were talking about of just like, I want to be the norm, but the norm of what? Like, what is normal? <laughs> right. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know what normal is. Um, I think everybody is unique and has their own unique story. And honestly, like wanting to be like you're saying with this baby, wanting them to be like anybody else but themselves, like isn't you 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 want them to be themselves. You don't want them to be anyone else, right? Right. And I I love that. Um. Anyway, the last question I have for you today, yay, is um just maintaining an overall positive perspective because that's what we try and focus on here. Um, this podcast is is just positive perspective because, you know, whether it's tucking kids in at night or, or re- maintaining a healthy marriage relationship or other relationships, life is exhausting. <laughs> it really is. And I think positive perspective is so important, especially... Like I said, I'm a Jesus girl, and I love that you mentioned that you rely on God and your faith, but um, just however you maintain your positive perspective, I would like, you know, to share that. I feel like I've always been an optimist, last half full kind of person, because for me, when I'm feeling the opposite, and I've dealt with depression and different things before, but when I'm not focused on gratitude it makes life a lot harder when I'm not focused on my blessings and the things that I have going for me, because you can very easily, no matter what your situation is, you can think, well, this, this, this bad thing happened, but I choose to think of, okay, what good things happened. Even if I, even if I'm having a really horrible, high pain, miserable day, I'm like, okay, I got to get out of bed and, you know, snuggle with the kids on the couch for 10 minutes or, if I have a good day and I'm feeling decent, I'm like, wow, I got to record this amazing podcast and talk to my friend. Like I focus, I choose to focus on good things, whether they're teeny tiny or bigger, because 
the gratitude not only makes me focus on, you know, what I'm, what blessings I have and what I should be grateful for. It also helps calm my anxiety because I think that anxiety plays a big role. And I feel like it's the devil whispering in my ear saying like, you're not good enough. You did this, you did that. This is this bad thing's going to happen. Like I worry and I have anxiety about really dumb things like tripping down the stairs. Like I count the stairs as I go down them. because I'm thinking I'm going to fall down the stairs. Like that's ridiculous to have anxiety about walking down the stairs. And then I have anxiety. Like my husband leaves and he has to drive an hour to work. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to die. And I have to plan his funeral in my brain right now. Like that is, <laughs> I go downhill real fast. Yeah. I focus on the gratitude. Instead I think like, I'm so glad that he has this fantastic job that provides for our family and that it fills him and he loves it. Yeah. I'm so glad that my kids are healthy and safe and that I have the opportunity to homeschool Nathan this year and that we get to have this year together because I have a degree in elementary education. So I'm like, yay, I finally get to use my degree. Right. <laughs> like all these smoke, you know, oh, I'm excited because Luke went to bed easy tonight. You know, I'm happy because I got to spend 10 minutes in the morning reading my Bible and drinking my cup of tea. I'm I'm grateful because I felt the baby move a lot today. Just focusing on the good things, big or small, can absolutely change your entire day. And then once you get into the habit of that, it can change your life because then you're not focused on all the negative things and all the bad things. And then when something does happen, that's difficult. Yeah have an easier time handling it and like wrapping your brain around it because you have that gratitude practice already in place to help you deal with difficult situations. Yeah. And I love that you like mentioned that it takes, it just takes one tiny thing for you to spiral. Like really, you know, like your husband having a long drive all, well, got to play in his funeral. Like, sorry. I like kind of laughed at that, but it's so true. It's so true, but it's like that drop, that drop, whatever it is, it has that huge ripple effect without you even like being like, wow, that, no, I don't think that way. But um, I really do appreciate everything that you've shared today. I think Thank that- you. Thank yeah, you for having me. It was so fun. It was fun. It was good to see you and talk to you. Like, it's been forever and it's just good to have, I don't know, another migrainer <laughs> friend. You know, somebody that gets it uh, on a different level. Um, You were probably by far, well, like close, you have a close runner up, but you were like one of my absolute favorite episodes that I ever did with, with Migraine Mother. I was, I so enjoyed it. And so I've really enjoyed talking to you today. And I'm really hoping that this episode that we've recorded is going to be able to touch a lot of lives because I think like you have everybody has their unique journey and we just got to learn to enjoy it (laughs) hence enjoy the journey because otherwise life is just one big ugly mess and we don't know how to get through it but um anyway so I just want to give a huge thank you to everybody that tuned in today and listened to this podcast episode and that you're having a good day, regardless of of when you're listening to this. Um, Again, we have Pamela with us and her handle on Instagram is beauty and the migraine beast. 
Uh, with a one at the end. <laughs> oh, with a one at the end, yes. And then she has her blog, that's Beauty and the Migraine Beast as well. I actually shut down the blog, so now I just do Instagram and YouTube. I also have a Facebook, which is Beauty and the Migraine Beast, but um, I just do the Instagram and then I do my YouTube channel, which is Beauty and the Migraine Beast, because I had to get, juggling too many things. I had to drop something, and I wanted to focus more on YouTube stuff, so I dropped the blog. Oh, okay. Well then, scratch the blog. <laughs> go follow, go subscribe to her YouTube channel. Go give her a follow on Instagram. Um, Pamela is like a super awesome example of positivity and just learning to keep a smile on your face while you endure hard things. Um, but this episode has been awesome and I'm just so grateful for everybody that's listened. But thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Anyway, have a good day. And I hope that you guys remember to enjoy your journey, regardless of what that looks like or where it takes you.